Welcome to Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives. I'm your host, Kevin Green. Today, we have industry experts with their insights and perspectives on the latest cybersecurity news that affects your agency and organization. Today, we have Kim Modesti, Global Principal Engineer at the Underwriters Laboratories. Good day, Ken. How are you doing? I'm doing good today. How yourself? Pretty good. Thanks for joining our podcast today. I think we have a lot of good, interesting things to talk about uh, as it relates to the Underwriters Lab and, you know, you being part of the Underwriters Lab, you know, really kind of setting the tone and giving the audience a, a good explanation and a good background of what the UL is trying to do from the cyber perspective. Glad to be here and let's let's get it going, right? Right. So I've I've had several guests on, Ken, and you know, everyone shared their opinions and provided some viewpoints about the Underwriters Lab, whether it's good or bad, uh, how they saw the under, Underwriters Lab playing out in in the role of trying to certify software. But one of the questions I want to ask you is, what are some realistic expectations for a cyber underwriters lab for IoT? Um, realistic. So, so when you look at it from a cyber um, cyber program perspective, and you associate it with it, the the significant um, uh, prominence that UL has, underwriters laboratories has. What you're going to see coming out of from from underwriters labs program is something that takes a lot of uh, has taken a lot of effort and initiative into building this program. It's it would require some it had required sorry some significant research, and and so so what we did was we took a lot of time. We took about two years trying to develop and 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 um, familiarize ourselves with what we really needed to do, and absolutely at um, at the end ultimately at the end sorry what what we have we think is a is a fair way to assess. Um, software and products and systems. So assess a product overall that contains software, but looking at it holistically across many different types of um, product types, whether it be smart home, critical infrastructure, medical, and the like. And so coming out from you all, what you're going to see is something that um, ultimately there is never going to be any magic bullet or silver bullet to solve um, this problem as of yet. But you're going to see coming out from us and what we have today is something that we're hopeful that industry can adopt and be foundational to grow in the future. Hey, Ken, I want to get your thoughts on something. I've used this quote in some of my presentations, most famously the one on don't bug me to death. And it was in relation to bugs and medical devices. But one of the things I want to know is we're building flying cars, bomb robots and sending rockets to the moon. But we haven't figured out how to keep smart devices from being dumb and used as part of botnets. Can you discuss the benefits of something like a cyber UL in the context of this statement? And that, con- that, that statement, uh, you know, actually provides a good impetus for why we need to have a cyber UL type of program coming out of underwriters' laboratories. And the reason for that is because even today, you know, we we as, as an industry globally, we've been able to produce significant products that that are in the medical space, that they can do factory automation, that can be put into cars, and the innovation that continues to, to move forward is outstanding. But when it comes to IoT specifically, you're recognizing more and more and more that there are some fundamental security elements that are not being included. And so one of the, the prime examples of why Underwriters Laboratories is, is a good uh, avenue for this is we, in the last century, helped 
do the same thing for fire and electric shock as electricity became, became more expansive globally and it started touching consumers more and more. And so we're seeing this as a long game in the same respect, um, Kevin, where you, you, have to, you have to ensure that industry and manufacturers are building products with some fundamental elements that are required for cybersecurity and then build upon that foundation keep building upon that foundation. You can't start off with something that's too large and you can't start off with something that's too small and insignificant. And that's that's something that we've done in the past and we, we, we have a track record of doing it effectively and introducing it where industry can adopt it and also ending up with, uh, with a mechanism that could educate the consumer so that they understand what's needed and what's not. So what's the status of, a cyber, of the cyber UL and what's next and what's planned? Right. So we launched the program in April of last year, and um, since then we've been engaging many different industries, specifically North America and Europe, um, looking at what products can we start bringing in-house. And so we, we first certified our first product, which was um, part of our pilot program when we were um, developing it in, in July. And so now we have several major initiatives and several major projects that are coming into the pipeline that we're starting to do testing and evaluation on. And so, so what you start to see is different types of products coming out over the next quarter that are going through the certification pro program and are either certified, where it's actually tested and certified, where it, produced, it, it receives a certification mark from UL, or vendors who have determined they are they have some challenges meeting those certification requirements, and we're helping them build in some of those processes to get there. That might take longer. So, so for for now, you'll see some some more product coming down the pipeline over the next quarter. Can you discuss some of the pilot programs where the cyber assurance program has been tested, and some of the lessons learned that you guys discovered? Right. Uh, it's really interesting. I, I would so so. I'll, I'll dig it up into three categories. Let's say um, um, consumer-facing type devices or IT or telecom type devices. We've looked at some of those already, and we've, you know, we've, we're, we, we should we should be seeing some certificates coming out for several of those types of products. And what's interesting is one of those products actually went through uh, a cybersecurity assurance program, and it and we found significant we 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 found out significant amounts of um, uh, concerns that help that manufacturer shore up the asset that they had. Um, within the, the medical space, we have several medical devices that we're, we're actually testing and evaluating right now. Um, and what we're finding is, is it's really interesting. Uh, you know, one of the good things is we're finding that some of the medical device manufacturers are really taking a hard, long look at what they need to do, and they're locking down their products significantly, which is a good thing. Um, it's a good thing that the medical device industry is moving this way and they're starting to adopt some practices that can really help that industry moving forward. And then thirdly, in the critical infrastructure space, what we're seeing as we start um, um, looking at some of uh, the products that we have in that space is we're seeing that in the, lar in, in, the, in the space with large manufacturers, they've started adopting some of the really good security practices. So you're finding, the, the program is finding less on um, new new areas that the, the vendor needs to investigate. And what, we, what we're seeing is more is an attestation that this vendor has done the due diligence and has provided the right um, um, capabilities in-house to develop products that are more secure. 
what is the pricing structure for something like UL testing? It's, it's interesting. So, so you know, pricing in itself is is really difficult to quantify when you look at it from a um, across the board evaluating products that could touch many, many verticals. Um, you can look at something in, in this regard that's smaller, consumer related, that might be in the low tens of thousands of dollars, or it can go all the way up to a multi-connected either medical system or a SCADA system that could be 120, 150, $160,000. It really depends on how many different components uh, of vendors looking at, at at going through this program. But the challenge I think that that the industry and, and guys like you, Kevin, and myself have to pose to the industry is, um, you know, there's always the cost of goods. Uh, you know, how do you roll that cost back into the into your cost of goods so that you can recoup the, that cost? But what what this initiative and effort is doing is looking at at, at driving that good cyber hygiene. And when you're looking at driving that good cyber hygiene, how does this help a vendor or manufacturer? Um, provide some good attestation to their client base that their product has security and must consider good security. And how does it also look at, um, you know, helping them identify risks that may be in their products and address those risks? And I think some of those, some of the, those costs are, um, are unquantifiable. And you're seeing more and more uh, vendors and manufacturers that we talk to are less concerned about cost and price and they're more concerned about the quality of the tests and how much of uh, the tests can impact their um, continued continuing security development process that they could introduce. It seems like the cost to maintain software is 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 rising at a very astronomical rate. Do you think something like a cyber UL can help organizations reduce the accumulation of technical debt in their environments and software development environments? I think definitely so. So so what this program is doing is is helping introduce some new and new existing security design principles into the testing process. So for manufacturers and vendors who don't have that today, they can they can help with with that. Um, and so by by introducing these these more um, security design testing principles into into the life cycle of a of a project and into the future um, life cycle of maintenance and, and support of a, a product until it, it gets decommissioned, eventually reduces that technical debt. Because what it's doing in, in, intrinsically is it's looking to uh, identify risks that are associated with, with software components within a product and addressing those. And the biggest thing that this, this program is, is doing that I think can, can significantly help that technical debt perspective is build a software bill of materials. What that means, Kevin, for you and, and, and your audience is that right now today you can go to any manufacturer and you can ask them for a schematic, you can ask them for a spreadsheet, you can ask them for some document where they will identify all their hardware component suppliers. Maybe they have a secondary supplier, a third supplier. They, most manufacturers can't do that for the software that they have today. And if they can identify a software bill of materials where all the components of their software, where they're coming from, they can start tracking where those components are, um, tracking the flaws within those components, and then you're now starting to look at shoring up your software supply chain. So I think this will intrinsically help uh, that technical debt issue that's significant and ongoing in an IT space because of more and more software being written. Yeah, we, we have to figure out a way how to keep manufacturers and folks who develop software from hard-coding passwords. We've seen 
take form in, in the DDoS of the Brian Krebs uh, website that was up. Internet cameras who had default hard-coded passwords were being attacked through DDoS. Yeah, you know, so that's some of those fundamental foundational um, cybersecurity elements that I think now today we have to help software developers and, and companies learn to implement. We also have to help their testing processes learn to check for and learn to make sure that that's a quality issue and a security risk. And we have to help also help their management, their executive management, understand the significant flaws. Um, you look at, at an example of of that Mirai botnet there, you know, you have a vendor, a manufacturer who has to do some significant, um, 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 you know, market ass assurance by going out and resolving these challenges with their product today. And if their if their if their developer community had had included certain things that would have prevented um, those aspects or, or made it extremely harder, then it, 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 it wouldn't have been such a challenge. So so absolutely, I, I do believe scenarios like that, when you have hard-coded passwords as an example or, or default not being prompted to change, um, that those are some significant areas that a program like this can, can address. Ken, how can my listeners in the community at large get involved? I mean, there, there's so many ways for, for, for someone to get involved. I, you know, the, the first thing I'll, I'll talk about is how can you engage our process? So, you know, to engage our process, we have an uh, email address, ulcyber at ul.com, um, that you can feel free to email and ask how you support. We have several technical committees that we've launched to draft and start looking at the second edition of these technical standards that we've written. Um, what I prompted was this is foundational. Foundational means we start off with this, but it, it can move forward as the industry improves and gets better and better. So anyone who would like to participate, offer comments, offer suggestions, feel free to, to um, join and participate in that way. Um, and send us an email and we will we'll, um, communicate with you. The next thing is as, as a consumer, this is something that I think is fairly important. We're all consumers in general. And as consumers, we spend dollars on acquiring and purchasing products. And today, you would never go and buy something that it, if you knew it would catch on fire in your house, put it in your house or put it in your garage or put it in your office. But uh, are we putting that same due diligence when it comes to security? So that's another thing that people can get involved with. Start using your dollars. Start looking to reward, um, uh, start looking for the industry to support industries that are trying to do their best from a cybersecurity perspective. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to move that needle and, and, and several industries and several uh, manufacturers are trying that and, and, and support of those uh, manufacturers and industries is what we do, especially in the IoT space. And Kevin, thanks for, for having me here and I, I look forward to continuing to chat to you and your audience. Ken, it's been a pleasure. Take care. Well, I think we have to wrap it up here. I want to thank our guest today, Ken Modesti. We also want to thank our listeners for tuning to Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives on FedScoot Radio with your host, Kevin Green. Until next time, peace.